Well, as we learned last Sunday, uh, Christmas is all about gifts, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, woohoo. Christmas is not all about gifts, but we're going to talk about gifts this year, and we're going to talk about the idea of gift giving and how that plays all into our relationship with Jesus Christ. I've uh, entitled this morning's message, No Returns, Refunds, or Exchanges. In other words, uh, stores would say, all sales are final. Funny how we know that. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Well, I'm going to ask you, uh, we started last week with this verse, and we're going to do it again today. Uh, but we're going to read this together this morning. So would you read John 3.16 with me out loud? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, eternal life. See, I heard all of you saying different words at points because some of us have memorized them in different translations. This Christmas season, as I said, we're going to look at uh, the message and the meaning of Christmas through the idea of giving gifts, especially the greatest gift that we have and that we will ever have, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says that God loved the world, that he gave his Son. And that word gave, as we talked about last week, is a word used for when you would give somebody, actually give someone a gift. So there's an outline uh, in uh, your bulletin if you'd like to follow along and, and take some notes this morning and uh, uh, follow along in the points. And I, I want to talk about returning gifts. Are you ready for this statistic? On average, every Christmas in the United States... One in three people will return a gift that they got for Christmas. That means three different people you give a gift to, one of those people is the kind of person that would take a gift back. Now, it's not bad that people return gifts, okay? It's not a bad thing. Uh, why do people return gifts? Sometimes they return it because it's, it's something they don't want, or it's something they don't need, or they have no use for it, or I already have one of those. Or sometimes we return gifts because we just don't know what it is or what it's supposed to be used for, you know. It, but what can we do instead of returning gifts? Um, well, what are some choices? We could hide them. I remember that when we were uh, cleaning out my parents' house after they passed away, we found in the closet a, a stack of Christmas gifts that had been given to them that they just put in the closet because... I'm not sure what they knew, that they knew what to do with them, you know. I don't know what this is. We'll just put it in the closet. So it, it was a good time to laugh, I will say that. Uh, so we can hide them. Another thing we can do is we can re-gift them, right? There's always one challenge when you re-gift a gift. You have to remember who gave you the gift in the first place, right? Because you don't want to re-gift it to the person who gave it to you. That would be bad. But what about other gifts? What about the ones that we need but we don't necessarily want? Uh, every Christmas as a kid, for me, there were two things that I knew I would get for Christmas every year. Socks and underwear, right? <laughs> it was like clockwork. And boy, we were so excited when we opened those gifts up. But it was something we needed. We all need them. But we don't necessarily get excited about them, do we? 
Jesus Christ is, is one of those gifts for, for many people. He's a gift that isn't so warmly received. In fact, we know that he is a gift that is and was rejected by many. In John chapter 1, look what John says about Jesus. He says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those were who were his own did not receive him. This was true when Jesus came to this earth. When he came, there were many who did not receive him. He was right in front of him, and they did not receive him or recognize him for who he is. Sadly, it's still true for many people today where Jesus is right in front of them. You see, friends, it's interesting because our culture in America here is more receptive of Jesus during the Christmas season. Have you ever noticed that? We are more receptive of Jesus Christ. Now, on a normal year, of course, this isn't a normal year, on a normal year, we'd all go to the mall, and as you're walking through the mall, you're hearing songs, right? You're hearing songs about Jesus. Glory to the newborn king. You're hearing all these songs about, about Jesus Christ. They're Christmas songs, but this is kind of where we get the world a little bit, right? It's kind of a nice thing where we can use, we can use Christmas songs to get the message of Jesus Christ out. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a wonderful Christmas song that has an incredible message, and it lays out the gospel very, very nicely. I remember when I was in high school, I had an awesome, awesome high school teacher, Mr. Lissy, who taught history great teacher. What he did every year at Christmas time, just for fun for his students, is he would show Charlie Brown Christmas. And why did he do that? Because Linus presents the gospel message. I found out after high school that he was a believer and that this was a way where he could bring the gospel into the classroom in a public high school. It's just Charlie Brown. It's okay. That kind of stuff seems safe. You see, the thing is, people like the Christmas Jesus, don't they? People are okay with the Christmas Jesus, the, the romantic story of, of a little baby in a manger. Oh, this poor little child was born, and they're laid in hay, and it's such a romantic story, and it's such a sweet story, a mother against all odds giving birth to a baby. You see, the Christmas Jesus isn't threatening at all, is he? He's just a baby. He doesn't put any demands on us. He doesn't require anything of us. People just love the Christmas Jesus. But the problem for some is that the Christmas Jesus becomes the crucified Jesus. Scripture tells us they beat him beyond recognition. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed him to a cross to execute him. That's not as nice or as sweet as the Christmas story, is it? The Christmas Jesus is quite a contrast from the crucified Jesus. We know that those in Jesus' day did not receive him. Look what it says in the book of Isaiah. It says this. It says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. You see, they rejected Jesus Christ, and 
The truth is, is that Jesus was rejected by most people. If you look at all the people that Jesus spoke to, if you look at all the people who heard Jesus speak, who were exposed to the life of Christ, or even saw him do miracles, or other things with Jesus, if you look at all of those people, such a small number of them decided to follow Christ. So, such a small number of them received him. Most of them still rejected Jesus. So why was he rejected? Why was Jesus rejected? We're going to talk about this for a while this morning. And, and, I, and I think these, these, uh, the answers to this as to why he was rejected kind of reveal things about mankind today. The first thing is that many people were rejected by his message. They, they were offended by his message, I mean, I'm sorry. You see, they loved the miracle Jesus. Oh, Jesus, show us another miracle. But they didn't like the preaching Jesus as much. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Oh, that was so cool and that was so awesome. And it says that they continued to follow him. And they heard him preach. But you know what? Once he started to preach, there weren't so many there. This is true today, friends. There are many who reject Jesus because they don't like the message that he brings. What I mean by that is people don't want to hear that they're not in charge. People don't want to hear that they need to rely on a Savior for their salvation and their redemption. Well, I, I choose to believe in myself. I've heard people say that many times. People don't like the message that Jesus brings because Jesus brings a message that forces you to make a choice to go one way or the other. You either receive, you either accept who he is as the son of God, the savior of mankind, or you don't. There's no middle of the road, is there? Jesus is a divining rod that says, you need to make a choice. And it's a huge Huge choice. Many reject Jesus today because they don't like the message that he brings. And many rejected him because they didn't like his message back in his day. Many also rejected him because they were concerned about what others thought or what others would think. You see, people were more concerned about what man thought as opposed to what God thought. How can I say that? Well, go to John chapter 12, and it says this. It says, Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They rejected Jesus because they were more concerned about what men thought and not what God thought. Isn't that true today, too? Many people today feel that coming to Christ is not an option because what others may think of them. Some people don't want to come to Christ because they're worried about the ridicule or the scrutiny or the criticism that they would receive. 
In the early days of Christianity, many Romans rejected Jesus because Jesus was a Jew. And the Romans hated the Jews, so they had to reject Jesus. It's so sad that some people think coming to Christ is just not an option because of what others may think of them. Many rejected him because of what others would think. Others rejected the Son of God because they didn't like the children of God. Uh-oh, toe-stepping time. So listen, this bugs me, but it is the truth, friends. The Jews were living under Roman occupation, and the Jews were proud people with a very strong faith. There was a joke among the Romans at the time. They said the Jews are so poor, they can only afford to have one God. The Romans saw the Jews as an inferior people. They didn't like their ways. And the other part is that the Jews were pretty arrogant. We are God's chosen people. How would you read that if you were someone who wasn't Jewish? We are God's chosen people. What does that say about you? If we are God's chosen people, you are not. Oh, so you have this amazing God? but I can't access him? It is amazing throughout the Old Testament that the idea of sharing who God is and welcoming others into the faith never crossed their minds. We are God's chosen people. The savior of a despised people could be no better than the people themselves. That's what other people thought. They said, a savior of this, these deplorables, these awful people. So the Romans rejected the Son of God because they didn't like the children of God. Sadly, friends, many people never give Jesus a chance today because of negative encounters with Christians. There are so many who have been hurt by the church or the body of Christ, and now they want nothing to do with Jesus. And friends, that breaks my heart. Some even say the church is full of hypocrites and and, and self-righteous people. You know what? They are right. There's a lot of hypocrites in the church. There's a lot of self-righteous people with false piety in the church. It is amazing to me that many people that I talk to about Christ will talk about a Christian they know or used to know that was a bad person, that was a hypocrite, that was just not a nice person. Or they'll talk about past generations of Christians and mistakes they've made. I've had people argue with me because of the Inquisition of the Spanish in the 1600s. Well, it was 400 years ago. But what they did, they did in the name of Christ. What I'd say to them is, I cannot speak for them. I can only speak for my Savior and what my experience with Jesus Christ has been. The truth is, friends, as believers in Christ, we are not perfect. And imperfect people do stupid things. Can I get an amen? We do stupid things. But let's not become one of those who does damage for the cause of Christ. Let's not be one of those Christians that, other, or that a person would refer to saying they don't want to know Jesus because of so-and-so. 
We need to not let the wrapping paper keep them from seeing the gift of Jesus. And Jesus dwells within us. We are the wrapping paper for Jesus Christ. And the gift is within each of us. Kind of puts a little pressure on you, doesn't it? But it's the truth. So what kind of wrapping are you? There were many Jews who rejected Jesus as well. And why did the Jews reject Jesus? Because he wasn't what they wanted. He wasn't this Messiah they were looking for. You see, when they read through the Old Testament, they saw these things about the Messiah and these triumphant things that he comes as king and he's this conqueror and all this awesome stuff. You see, there's a ton of prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus and Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Now, we can look at it now and go, okay, well, we know that's the second coming, that's the first coming. They didn't have that luxury, friends. They didn't have that luxury. They thought the Messiah was all about the here and now and the suffering they were facing at the moment. The Jews were very short-sighted when it came to the Messiah. They said that, oh, he's going to release us from bondage. Well, we know that, that our Savior releases us from the bondage of sin, but the Jews read that and said, oh, he's going to release us from the bondage of the Romans. Their vision was short-sighted, but God's plan was much, much bigger. And when Jesus came and people said, this is the Messiah, some Jews were looking at him going, oh, wait a minute. This isn't what we expected. We expected this king. We expected this conqueror. And here's this guy born of a carpenter. This isn't what, what, what we had in mind. So they rejected Jesus Christ. We talked about last week how the humble beginnings of Jesus. Yet the Jews looked at that and went, no, he's not what we expected. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, many Jews welcomed Jesus with open arms. And many had never heard him speak. But once they listened to Jesus speak, they wanted him gone. Because they didn't like, again, his message. He wasn't what they wanted. You see, friends, unfortunately and very sadly, there are many who walk away from Jesus because they, he doesn't fit what they want him to be. They come to him with great hopes, but he doesn't meet all their wants. They, they thought that Jesus would fix all these things in their lives and make their lives perfect. But he doesn't. Every time I hear this on a, on a talk show on television, I want to throw up when I hear people say, I believe in a God who, you know, or I believe in a Jesus who, well, you can believe what you want. It doesn't change who he is. You can believe in a Jesus who's going to make you rich and wealthy if I just surrender to Jesus and if I tithe like I make half a million dollars a year, he'll give me half a million dollars a year. I'm pretty sure you can't find that in Scripture. But, and then... What happens? Jesus doesn't deliver on what they want. I thought if I surrendered my life to you, Jesus, my life would be perfect. Pretty sure that promise isn't in Scripture either. But friends, here's the good news. And catch this if you catch nothing else this morning. God likes to give 
surprises. God likes to give surprises. Do you ever give a uh, ever get a gift and a gift and a gift and a gift? Has anybody ever received that? You get oh, it's this big box. It's a great thing to do to kids. It's kind of mean, but still, uh, big box and you open it up and what's inside? Another box and you open that box and what's inside? Another box and then another box and then another box and then another box. And you start with this big box and you're like, what is it? And as a kid, the big boxes are the best, right? I remember waking up on Christmas morning and I'd always look for the biggest gift under the tree and I'd quickly look and see whose name is on it. And if it was mine, man, I was jazzed. Because the big gifts are always the best. Now, as we get older, what do we learn? The little gifts are usually the better ones, huh? Right? So what happens is you open this big box, you get smaller and smaller, and it turns out to be something very precious or something very special, doesn't it? You see, as we open the gift, we get an idea of what it might be. Why am I sharing this with you? Because as we continue to unwrap the gift of Jesus Christ, we see that God is a good, no, God is a great gift giver. And before we decide that God doesn't know what he's doing, friends, we need to wait and see what the gift is. Because God's pretty awesome. I read this story that I thought was just awesome. There was this couple who was looking to adopt a boy. And it was a boy who was in, from Ethiopia. And there's a lot of things that are involved in adopting a child, especially in an international thing. And it was one delay after another, and paperwork after paperwork, and their hearts are breaking because this little boy that they so want to bring home is sitting in this orphanage in Ethiopia. And the couple has gotten frustrated, and they're to their wit's end on this whole thing. And finally, everything comes together, like a, almost a year after it was supposed to. And they get on the plane to go to Ethiopia, finally, to get their son who they're adopting. And they're sitting on the plane, and it's a long flight to Ethiopia. And there's another couple sitting right next to them. And they start to talk to them. And it turns out this couple sitting next to them is also going to Ethiopia to adopt a child. Wow, that's amazing. And as they talk and as they learn all these things, what happens is they get there and they find out that the two kids, the boy and the girl, who are getting adopted by the two couples, have been best friends since birth. Did I mention the two couples live 15 minutes away from each other in Kentucky? So those two kids were able to remain friends and maintain their friendship. God likes to give surprises. You see, before we decide what God does, that God doesn't know what he's doing, we need to keep opening the gift, friends, when God doesn't meet our expectations as a Savior, we can easily write him off. And what I mean as a Savior, not salvation of our sins, but when people think God is going to be the Savior of everything I need in this life. And when God doesn't meet our needs the way we want him to, we can write him off because he doesn't seem to be the kind of Savior that we are hoping for. 
Or we look around us and we say, what kind of Savior doesn't save people from cancer? What kind of Savior doesn't save my house from being foreclosed on? What kind of a Savior doesn't save my marriage? What kind of Savior doesn't save me or a loved one from pain and suffering? These are questions many people have asked. When Jesus was on, on this earth, the Jews asked, is he really the Messiah? We've been beaten up by the Romans for years. He's here, and we're still getting beat up by the Romans. Many say, is Jesus really my Savior? We seem to continue to get beat up by this world. Well, we know, friends, Jesus came to save. He didn't come to save us from the Romans or from the suffering of this world. He came to save us from hell, friends. John 16, says this, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Thanks, Jesus. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Friends, we're going to have trouble. But Jesus says, my salvation for you lies beyond this world. And there's nothing in this world that can change that. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, she said, or the angel said to Mary, he said to her, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save, but he didn't come to save us from this world. He came to save us from our sins. There are some gifts that aren't valuable to us until we realize how much we need them. I don't know about you, but my experience with Jesus has been that the more I continue to unwrap that gift, the more I am amazed at the immensity of that gift. I want to share with you a little story Many, many years ago, we decided for Christmas to get our mom a microwave. And, she, you know, being a polite mom, oh, that's nice. And the next question, no, it wasn't in the closet. The next question was, well, 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 well what do I do with it? What do I do with it? And I will tell you that for months. It sat on the counter in the kitchen, and it really didn't get used. We showed her a couple things you could make in it. Oh, you can make scrambled eggs. We made scrambled eggs. Oh, and her sister was telling her how she can make peanut brittle in the microwave. And my mom was like, eh, okay. Well, as time went on, my mom started to learn and started to understand the value of a microwave. It was amazing. Her attitude when she got that microwave was, gee, thanks. But let me tell you something. The day that microwave broke, <laughs> we got to go, she told my dad, Bill, we got to go get a microwave. What her attitude was, I can't live without this microwave. Why? Because she's she had learned 
how awesome it was. See, friends, many gifts don't become valuable until we realize how much we need them. And this is how it is for those of us who have received Christ. One thing I've learned from the gift of Jesus, I'm an awful sinner, and he is an awesome Savior. And the more I understand this, the greater his gift becomes. John chapter 1, it says, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. And the word receive is a really cool word in the original text. It means to completely embrace. Jesus will come again, friends. And look what it says in chapter 14. It, it says those that did not receive him did not completely embrace him. So I, I want to fast forward here to chapter 14. Jesus says, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may also be. The word receive there is the same word in the original text. I will come again and completely embrace you. That's what Jesus says. Jesus will come again to embrace those who have embraced him as a conquering king. He will be far more of a ruler than the Jews could have ever imagined. As you unwrap that gift of Jesus Christ, you see that. He will be a ruler. He will come as a bridegroom waiting for his bride to embrace his bride, the church. You see, friends, the gift of Jesus Christ is a gift you will never want to return, you will never want to exchange, or, and you will never want to get a refund for. It is the greatest gift you will ever receive. The problem for some is they've never taken time to open the gift. They've never taken time to open it up. It's like you get a new smart TV and you start reading. Oh, did you know this TV does this? Did you know I could do this? Or you get a new car and you read. Did you know I could do that with the car? Well, Jesus is so much more awesome. And perhaps some have never realized how precious this gift is. And I know you all pretty well, but... Where are our hearts in this gift of Jesus Christ? And for some of you today, it may be that you've never realized just how precious this gift is. And I want to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, I want to receive that gift today. Today could be the day you receive the greatest gift you will ever receive. The greatest gift of all, our Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's something you're interested in doing, talk to me. Talk to someone else about it. This room is full of people who will tell you or share with you and talk with you and help you come to know Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? We thank you, Lord, for Christmas, and we thank you for this season, and we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. 
We thank you for this incredible gift, this undescribable gift, as Paul called it, this gift of salvation. Lord, teach us and help us to continue to unwrap this gift as we grow in our relationship with you. Help us to open our hearts to this incredible gift. We ask in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us, please. We're going to sing one more song together this morning. And I would encourage you today that if it's something, if there's something you need to do with Jesus, if there's something you need to do, something you need to work out with our Savior, there are friends here who would help you do that. And if you want to be really bold and come forward and just sit in a front pew, there will be people who would pray with you. But I want you to act as the Lord would lead. And I want you to not let this Christmas season go by without appreciating and unwrapping the greatest gift you'll ever receive.
and incredible gift and the gift of our salvation as this Christmas season continues may we continue to unwrap that gift as you continue to reveal yourself to us so as we leave this day we leave in the strong name of our Savior Jesus Christ empowered by your Holy Spirit carrying the message of the gospel to all of mankind so that all may know we serve a risen Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed day.